Since our founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. Let CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more. Welcome to the Digital Transformation Podcast. Interviews with best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top-shelf executives all driving today's digital success. This is the show that will help you take advantage of digital transformation to build your business and career. I'm your host, Kevin Crane, and I'm so pleased that you're listening. And so pleased to welcome Joel Grin back to the program. Joel is the president and founder at the Center for Open Data Enterprise and is perhaps today's preeminent advocate and authority on open data. And Joel is back to update us on the open data movement. Before founding the Center for Open Data Enterprise, Joel was a senior advisor at the GovLab at NYU, and he has participated in groundbreaking research regarding the use of open government data as a key business resource. There's a wealth of opportunity that you may have overlooked, so stay tuned for my interview with Joel Gurin in just a moment. And stay tuned in the later part of the show for three action items that you can use to immediately take advantage of the ideas and advice in this interview. But first, you can find me and keep in touch with the show at digitaltransformationpodcast.net. Listen to the interview archive and subscribe. That way, you'll never miss an episode. It's all there at digitaltransformationpodcast.net. And do you want to be a guest on the show? It could happen. Find out more at digitaltransformationpodcast.net slash guest. Now, on to the interview. Joel Gurren, welcome back. What is open data? Open data is public data that anybody can use and reuse and republish uh, for any purpose. It can be government data. It can be data that's been shared by companies, by nonprofits. Uh, it can really come from a number of sources, but the most important thing about it is that it is free, open, and available for use. And that is really the big difference between open data and big data. Open data may be big, but open data is open to everyone. Absolutely right. There are a number of kinds of big data, like data that might be collected by large corporations around their own businesses, around their operations around, uh, around the world, that might be highly proprietary. Uh, that's big data that may be very useful to that particular company, but if it's not open data, it won't be useful to anybody else. Open data, by definition, uh, can be used uh, by anyone, and often people using it find uh, applications that the people who originally published the data might not have even thought of. 
So the open data movement originally was fueled by the idea that governments should make available to the public the data that they collect at taxpayer expense. And back in the Obama administration, there was an executive order about open data. But as you mentioned, it's not just all about government data. It's about all kinds of data. What else is included and what are some of the opportunities there? Well, I think uh, for businesses, there are opportunities in both directions, the opportunities to uh, share data. Uh, and we're seeing this particularly in companies that do scientific research or that are involved in sort of larger scientific enterprises, uh, data sharing can be very, uh, very productive um, through data collaboratives, which are some of these new kinds of mechanisms that are developing to enable companies to share data uh, in ways that benefit everybody without having anybody give up trade secrets. So we're seeing this, for example, in areas like the development of automated vehicles. Every car manufacturer has an interest in sharing data both with them, each other and with the government in order to develop a uh, real common understanding of how to get these vehicles to work. At the same time, nobody wants to give up the secrets of their own company. So there are new ways that are being developed that make it possible to share data in those kinds of ways that are mutually beneficial and also uh, protect the things people need to protect. The flip side is that companies are finding more and more ways to use public data from government to develop new products and services in many cases, or simply to help their businesses run better than they've run before. And we're seeing this in companies of every size, from the Walmarts and Starbucks of the world, all the way down to really creative Starbucks uh, startups, rather, that may just have a couple of employees, but might be able to do some really impressive things. Joel, when we last spoke, you were with the Governance Lab at NYU and in the midst of conducting a study called the Open Data 500. And the reason I ask is that you studied 500 companies using open data. What were the discoveries of that study? How were, how are companies taking advantage of open data in practical terms? Sure. Well, um, I guess I would start by talking about the ways that companies are using open data for uh, new products and services, because that's a lot of what we focused on in the Open Data 500 and uh, have continued to focus on in, in the work I'm doing now. Uh, and we're seeing applications in just about every different sector. So if you look at the use of geospatial data, for example, uh, there's a number of companies that have uh, started up with new kinds of mapping applications, new kinds of navigational applications, uh, transportation, uh, the same kind of thing. Uh, in healthcare, uh, where I think you're really seeing uh, some of the most interesting uh, uses of open data, people are using uh, government data on Medicare, Medicaid, on hospitals, hospitals, on all kinds of health services to develop new companies that are helping uh, consumers find the best care at the best price. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of that kind of activity going on. Or even if you look at some of the major kinds of real estate websites that have sprung up over the last five, 10 years, they're using all kinds of data, demographic data, census data, ge geospatial data, education data, all of these applications that now let house shoppers 
uh, figure out how to um, how to find a place that's really going to work for them and their families in terms of education, crime, walkability, all those things. Those are really driven by open data from the government uh, and would just be impossible if we didn't have these kinds of sources of government data available. So we're seeing similar kinds of things. The retail sector, financial sector, it sort of goes on and on. Um, but there's been a real uh, explosion of these new kinds of companies as people develop better and better data skills and more and more awareness of what kinds of open data the government has to offer. It occurs to me as you're talking, we, we talk a lot on this show and some of my others about artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, enterprise content management, getting insight out of the information that we have. It seems to me that one great opportunity would be the marriage or the confluence of artificial intelligence and open data. Oh, yeah. No, AI is really huge now in the open data community. Uh, we're seeing this uh, actually a lot in government programs. So the organization that I run now, the Center for Open Data Enterprise, is based down in Washington, D.C. Uh, we spun off from the governance lab uh, shortly after I talked to you. It was about three and a half years ago because we saw a tremendous opportunity to work with government agencies and to sort of bridge the gap between government agencies and the private sector. And what we're seeing is a tremendous interest in artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, not only as ways to apply data, but as ways to improve data. So if you're looking at things, for example, like veterans health records in the government or uh, Department of Defense records that have to be uh, that have to be merged with veterans records to help vets uh, find better jobs, there's a lot of interest now in using AI to analyze military records in ways that you can really identify skills that veterans have that are applicable to the civilian job market because that's a task that people have been wanting to do for a long time to help vets get better jobs. And it turns out that you really have to be able to do very sophisticated text analysis and machine learning to figure out how to map the military experience to their future, future civilian experience. So we're talking to people now who are doing exactly that kind of project, and there's a lot of other kinds of applications that can really make the data much, much more useful than it's been in the past. Is it time to reach a new audience in a new way? Advertising on the Digital Transformation Podcast gives you the opportunity to do just that. Each week, you'll reach thousands of listeners all tuned in to learn about strategies, products, and approaches that will help them succeed. Be a sponsor and get your message heard by the right audience. Learn more at digitaltransformationpodcast.net slash sponsor. That's digitaltransformationpodcast.net slash sponsor. Our guest today is Joel Gurren. He is the president and founder of the Center for Open Data Enterprise. Now, Joel, the Center for Open Data Enterprise just announced the release of the Open Data Toolkit, a new resource for federal data providers, data users, and really anyone with an interest in open government data. Can you tell us a bit more? What can the toolkit do for us and what should we know about it? 
Sure. Well, um, this is uh, a toolkit we just launched, as you said. It's available at usopendatatoolkit.org, or I think if you just uh, search for US Open Data Toolkit, you'll find it. Um, what we wanted to do here was to make the use of open data uh, much more accessible, much easier for people outside of government, and also to help uh, our colleagues in government think about ways that they could present their data more effectively so that it could have greater public value. And uh, the idea here was to do a couple of different things. Uh, so one thing is, is that we've put together a lot of what we call best practices. And all of this is based on work that we've done with the federal government over the last few years. I should say that a major way we're working now, and we've done this with both the White House on several occasions and with the federal agencies, is we hold what we call open data round tables that bring together people within government who are producers of data with the people outside of government or in other agencies who are users of data. So we really try to take a user-driven approach where the data providers, the data stewards get to hear about how their data is being used and what might make it most useful. And out of having now done almost 20 of these over three, four years, we've developed a set of best practices that we think really could improve the use of open government data. And the toolkit really describes those in hopefully uh, a very accessible way. What we've also done is we've provided a number of examples of government agencies that have uh, put those practices into use and also a rundown of the different government policies that now affect uh, the use of uh, data and the publication of data by government agencies. You mentioned before that President Obama put out an open data policy. That's still in effect. And in fact, there's been a lot that's happened recently uh, to even strengthen those policies so that we've seen that open data is a commitment that goes from administration to administration. So that's what the toolkit does for people within government, but we think that people outside of government will also benefit from learning about these examples. And we also have a whole section on the toolkit on resources, which is places where federal agencies have done, in many cases, really creative and innovative things to make their data available, not just as dry spreadsheets, but through, you know, a lot of visualization, a lot of highly interactive applications for census data, geospatial data, all kinds of data that uh, business people may find extremely useful. So we hope that this toolkit is going to be useful for the people who produce the data, the people who use it, and those who are just interested in the subject. You can find the Open Data Toolkit from the Center for Open Data Enterprise at usopendatatoolkit.org. What were some of the most important findings and best practices that came out of those roundtable discussions? Well, I think some of the a lot of a lot of findings uh, on the government side, but I think just to focus on some of the findings on uh, on the business side, um, one of the biggest findings of uh, of these roundtables and just about all of these roundtables have involved people from the private sector. Uh, we have found that there's really widespread use of open data, and I think much more so 
then we realized when we were doing the Open Data 500 study, and you and I talked uh, way back in episode five uh, a few years ago. So when we were first looking at this area, we thought, you know, the main way that people are going to use government data is a weather company will take weather data, a geospatial company will take geospatial data and so on and make new products out of it, new services out of it. And we have seen a tremendous amount of work going on there. But what we're also seeing is that companies who might not think of themselves as being data companies, quote unquote, are actually using government data in ways that have the tremendous potential to improve their operations, improve their efficiency, improve their profit margins. And we're seeing these examples uh, all over the place. So uh, Starbucks, for example, is using uh, geospatial data and census data to figure out where to put new stores and uh, to know, for example, when what neighborhoods a discount for using a mobile app is going to be most effective because they can tell um, a lot about uh, smartphone use, you know, almost block by block uh, in those in those areas. Uh, seeing a lot of retailers and, uh, you know, consumer-focused businesses um, using the American community survey done by the Census Bureau to get very precise data and very deep data on both current and potential customers, target their marketing, uh, really improve how uh, how they reach their potential customers and how effectively they market to them. Uh, seeing people use financial data in uh, the investment uh, the investment world. I mean, investment uh, houses of all kinds or any company that has its uh, its investments in other companies is going to use data from the Securities and Exchange Commission. More and more sophisticated kinds of data that really help them make those decisions in a smart way. And we're seeing any company that uh, is involved in any kind of manufacturing or shipping. There's all sorts of weather data that now relates to supply chain management in ways that can really increase efficiency uh, and so forth. So the examples kind of go on and on. And what we're seeing, you know, as I said, everybody from the Starbucks of the world to small uh, smaller companies is able to use this data in ways that really can help them do business uh, in a better and better way. And that's part of what we've tried to get at in the toolkit, uh, the toolkit also has news and features that include uh, write-ups of some of our recent uh, roundtables where we go into these, uh, these areas in a lot of detail. Do you want to be a guest on the Digital Transformation Podcast? Well, it could happen when you join our Knowledge Leadership Circle. Tell us about your ideas and advice. What technologies and solutions do you recommend? And how can our listeners benefit from your approach? Be a guest. Find out more at digitaltransformationpodcast.net slash guest. I'm speaking with Joel Gurren. He is the president and founder of the Center for Open Data Enterprise and the author of the book Open Data Now. Joel, we have reached the action item round of the show. I'm wondering if you could please provide three quick action items that our listeners can do to begin to take advantage of your ideas and advice. Sure. Well, uh, what I would suggest as first steps is uh, I'd like to suggest checking out three websites. Uh, it's it's easy to do and hopefully helpful. Uh, the first is the one that we've been talking about, uh, usopendatatoolkit.org, uh, which I hope you'll find helpful. And there's also a, uh, a way to give us comments and feedback. We would be very interested in your thoughts and anything that you think uh, we could do to make that a particularly useful resource. Uh, second, uh, I would say go to the website for our center, 
and that's opendataenterprise.org, one word, opendataenterprise.org. Uh, what you'll see there is a lot of the work we're doing, not just on the toolkit, but work that we're doing both internationally and in the U.S., including our Open Data Impact Map, which has more than 1,700 examples of organizations, both for-profit and non-profit, that are using open data around the world. Hopefully that's uh, helpful to people. And then the final one is to check out data.gov. So data.gov is the federal clearinghouse, basically, for all kinds of data from the federal government. I think they have more than 200,000 data sets uh, now that are available uh, through this portal. And it's just a treasure trove of data that people can use for all kinds of things that can help uh, enhance your business. That's Joel Gurin from the Center for Open Data Enterprise and author of the book, Open Data Now. Joel, thanks a lot for being my guest today on the Digital Transformation Podcast. Kevin, thank you. That'll do it for this episode of the Digital Transformation Podcast. But join me next time when I continue to talk to best-selling authors, innovative thought leaders, and top-shelf executives, all driving today's digital success. And I'll talk to you next time on the Digital Transformation Podcast. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.